Um, I'm just pumped to be here. Um, obviously, the week that's gone, um, who knew what was going to happen this weekend? Um, I must admit, though, throughout the week, um, both Beck and I felt quite defiant on this weekend. Um, you wouldn't have heard much on social media about what our plans could be or couldn't be because, quite frankly, if there were going to be 20 people, 50 people, 100 people here, we'd still do church, okay? And I'm honestly, I just like, if we have to wear masks, right on, because you know why? Because of Jesus, And at the end of the day, we're not going to stop talking about the saving grace of Jesus. No matter what happens going on in our world, um, COVID, breakouts, outbreaks, who knows? Is it spreading? Is it not? All I know is that this week on Wednesday, Beck looked at me and said, we're in lockdown. We need to do a shop. And by we need to do a shop, Beck and I have been living out of like just up and down the M1. We don't have food in our home ever at the moment. And so on Wednesday, I went out. And did that brave the shop. I got enough meat to last me till 2023. And, um, <laughs> you know, like bloke shopping. Yes, I just need meat. Okay, yes, claps at the back from Andy. Um, Beck goes, when I got home, I had all these snacks. And she's like, we don't need this. I'm like, it's lockdown. <coughs> Game on. All right. <coughs> so, yeah, so this week's been an interesting week. I know for myself, Beck and I, we were going to have a little holiday away. That got shut down. I know for some of us here in the church, we missed out on holidays. Guys at the back, I see you. Just pray for Ange, okay? Um, every time this year, something's happened with Locke. It's like, can't go anywhere. They just want you to stay, Ange. Just hand over your holidays to us. We'll do them. Anyway, so, um, but the reality is we, you know, we gave up on some things this week and, um, I just want us to be encouraged today. As I was spending time this week, God, what do you want me to share? Something just popped up. It was just really stirred in my heart that I really want us as a church to understand. Because in this season of our life, the last 18 months, if there's been one thing that has ruled the world, it's fear. Who would agree, right? It's just fear. Everywhere you look, everything's going to kill you, all right? So you need to lay low. But the truth is that we have good news here. If you've entered these doors today for the very first time, you've never been in church before, the good news is you don't need to be fearful of death. You don't need to be fearful of death. The truth is it doesn't matter if your mortal body dies. If you know Jesus, you are an eternal being. You are an eternal being. You know, in John 3.16, the most quoted scripture of all time, we forget this is a conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus before he even goes to the cross. Jesus sits down with him and says, Hey, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This moment before Jesus even goes to the cross, before he's resurrected, is such an amazing truth bomb being dropped. Jesus is like, just so you know, because of what I'm about to do, you don't need to perish. You don't die anymore. If you believe in me, there is hope for your future. You don't need to get stressed about dying because at the end of the day, you are more alive than ever before if you knew me while you were on this earth. You know, my grandpa passed away in 2011 and I remember driving away from the hospital here in Brisbane with my brother and having a sense of joy and peace because I know he is more alive today than he was ever alive on this earth. Until his last breath, he preached about Jesus. Until his last days, he was in the old people's home eating jello and telling people about Jesus. He didn't stop. In the old people's home, he would give up his time to sing hymns if he could. He wasn't great at singing, but by Josie, belted a tune. And the thing is, he didn't give up because he knew that he knew that he knew. It didn't matter if you kill him. It didn't matter if he died. 
he would be with Christ. And I want to tell you today, you can have that assurity today. If you walk out of here and you don't have that assurance, I haven't done my job. If you know that you know that you know where you're going, all of a sudden the fear of death and the fear of COVID doesn't hold its power anymore. Here's the thing. I think sometimes we get so caught up in trying to survive that we miss out on the things God wants for us. You know, um, the idea of just trying to hold on to life, uh, like just hold on, like I don't want to die. i got to be honest, last year I was like that when COVID broke out. I had fear creep into my life. I remember the first few weeks I didn't go to the shops. I remember arguing with Beck. I might have mentioned this before. She would go to the shops with me when it first broke out and she would pick up items and look at them and then put them back. I'm like, what are you doing? Get it and get out. <coughs> Anyone with me? Like, the whole point is you're not supposed to touch things. You're touching everything. Like, we're just going to get in and get out. And it's so interesting, even this week, after I went and got all my meat, I rocked up at Aldi with all of my suburb on the Gold Coast, the lineup out the door, people fearful. I'm grabbing my stuff. I didn't need, a, I didn't need toilet paper, but it was there. I grabbed some, you know, because who knows? And so we've all been through that kind of fear. And, you know, 90% of the people in that building were fearful. And church, we have the answer. You know, God needs a fearless church. God needs a fearless church, a church that knows that they know that they know. It doesn't matter. If you take my flesh, I've got a soul, and it's alive in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Him, you're not going to perish. You won't die. You have an eternal existence, and we need to stand on that. We need to stand on that. You know, in Romans 8, it says this, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, because through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. Let me read that again. The law of the Spirit who gives you life has set you free. What are you free from? The law of sin and death. You are free from sin and death. The law of sin and death. The law of sin and death came in at the point of Adam and Eve. They sinned and therefore death came into their existence. They were kicked out of the garden. The, the, the tree of life was in the garden. They were excluded from the life, that tree of life. Now they experience death. From that, from that moment forward, humanity has been fearful of death. An end date. You're going to die. And I'm going to tell you today that I've got to be honest with you. Like the idea of death, I'm not saying, oh, just, I'm happy to die. I want to live. I hope I live a long life, but the fear of death you no longer have to have. You no longer have to have. You know, the reality is we fear death because we love our lives. We don't want to miss out. We just love our lives. And Jesus wants to call us to be completely free of that fear. And maybe you've walked in here today and you're like, you know what, as I'm going to be honest with you, I have that fear. I hope by the end of this message, you can walk away feeling free of that fear, knowing that you know that you know that you know that you know, no matter what happens in your lifetime, it's going to be okay. It is going to be okay. i got to say, though, we're all susceptible to falling into the trap of fear. Who's fallen into the trap of fear before? Irrational fear. No one ever fallen into irrational fear. I'm telling you now, you have an experience and it triggers stuff, doesn't it? It triggers fear. Remember one anniversary, Beck and I were staying up in this little hut, this little getaway, 
And at about midnight, I mean, we're in the middle of a forest where they said, no one, you're secluded. And all of a sudden we heard this noise in the, in, we heard this noise banging on the roof. And I was like trying to be the man. I'm like, Beck's like, what's that? And I said, it's nothing. It's probably a possum, right? And then she's like, no, no, it's something. All of a sudden, our bed looks out into the forest in this big glass window. And all of a sudden we see this torch like through the forest. Supposedly there's no one around. And we go, ah, right? And I'm like, it's nothing. There's just someone getting to their cabin. Relax, wife, you know. (laughs) Next second, we hear more banging and enters. Just imagine this. You're just looking at a giant glass window entering from the right of stage. A man jumps onto the balcony. And we screamed. (laughs) And I jumped up. And he got a fright as well. Didn't have much clothes on. Now you're all disturbed and fearful for your lives. I remember screaming at this guy. The guy looked at me. He jumps off and like, I I was terrified. I'm like, this can't be happening. I'm calling up reception. I'm like, there's a guy on our balcony. The lady's like, there can't be a guy on the balcony. It's about six meters up. There's no one that can get up there. I'm like, I'm telling you, there's a guy. You got to get down. I'm telling a woman, you need to get down here and escort us out. (laughs) Happy anniversary. We were terrified. We got up. We left. We were gone. The lady didn't believe it. She's like, no one's ever broken in here before. No one's ever done that. You just. She's like, have you been drinking wine? I'm like, no. I'm telling you, a man in a red shirt was on my back. Anyway, that night, can I tell you, a rational fear broke in. Fear got a hold of me. I'm t- we drove all the way back to Rabina. This is from like Mount Tambourine. We drove to Rabina all night. I had to have the lights on. I checked outside. I'm picturing this guy has got in a car and has followed us all the way home. You know how fear creeps in? You don't want to die. And the reality is, as much as we can say, we can be fearful, fearless of death. The reality is we're human and we all can fall into the trap of fear and fear can stop what God has for us. So how do we approach this? You know, last week we heard Josiah preach on David and Goliath. Who was here? Who was here last week? It was great. A fantastic message. Go and listen to the podcast. I loved hearing it because... Josiah reminded us of this young whippersnapper David who had no fear, who had a confidence in God, rocks up to the battlefield, takes on Goliath, takes down Goliath, cuts off his head, becomes a champion, and we think, what a hero story. Fearless. Everyone else was fearful, but David didn't care because of his assurity of God. In 1 Samuel 17, 45, this was the passage that Josiah unpacked last week. He said this, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give, you the, car- give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. 
It goes on and says the Philistine, this giant, rocks up, moves closer to attack him. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Woo! Some of you are like, man, this is M-rated. Where's the rating? I mean, this is a hectic story. We talked about it. Like, this is the moment of faith. And David saves the day. He becomes the hero in the land. Not only that, he receives a whole bunch of reward. The trajectory of his life to hero fast tracks. He's put in charge of armies from that day forward. Not only uh, was he the hero in that moment, we talked about it. He got the girl, he got the king's daughter as his wife. He got tax-free living forever. And he got a whole bunch of add-ons as well. However... We can leave the story there and just sort of picture David now being king, sitting on his throne, and he's like, I've done it, everyone. (laughs) I'm a hero. But it's actually not long after this moment that he falls into a place of fear. David, the mighty warrior, falls into a place of fear. In fact, I want to talk to us about how we don't get stuck in a rut like David today. We need to understand that David, after killing Goliath, didn't become king for another 15 to 20 years. We sometimes think that, oh yeah, it just went bang, bang. And when you read the Bible, sometimes you're just like chapter to chapter, you just imagine that it was pretty instant. You did the right thing and now you're the king. You know, at the end of the day, David didn't have that happen. And if there's one thing that I hope that today brings in our life as we walk away from this message, I hope that in our spirits, as individuals, as we leave this building, there's one thing that you can be assured of, and it's simply this. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave up him for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God's for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? You've got to understand what happened in David's life shortly after this. David becomes an amazing part of the kingdom. Saul, he's now working for Saul. He has his armies. He goes out to war. He continuously comes back with victories. We actually learn about this in 1 Samuel 18.5. It says this, Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. So he just keeps working his way up the ladder. He's becoming more and more famous. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistines, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet, the, to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. And they danced, they sang, Saul has slain thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul didn't like that. Can you imagine that? You're the boss, you've just employed someone, now they're doing better than you. People love them more than you. And you're like, you should be singing that about me. I'm the king. And this is actually where fear creeps in because it says in 1 Samuel 18.10, there's this moment where David is in the court with the king and the king gets so angry and jealous of David, he throws a spear at him and tries to pin him to the wall. 
In fact, King Saul tries to kill David multiple times. And after a couple of attempts at his life, we find David, this great warrior, a man that can go into war and win every time, running for his life. Scared for his life, fear has now overtaken him. And I want to talk about this because to summarize the next couple of chapters, and I want to challenge us all, this week, my challenge to you is to pick up the Bible, read 1 Samuel 17 through, right to the end of Samuel, okay? We're not going to read it all today, but to summarize, David loses complete sight of what God's called him to in this season. He loses sight of the fact that he was actually anointed king as a young boy. He loses sight of the fact that he's actually got victories under his belt, and he goes into 100% lockdown mode. He goes into isolation mode, a little bit like us in the last few days. He goes into hiding. And I want to sort of pick up from 1 Samuel 21 because he actually flees. Like, as I said, you've got to picture this. David is not just like, I'm on a horse and I'm just going to go and take it. He is running for his life. And he rocks up in a place called Nob. Great place name, right? This town called Nob, this city called Nob. And he actually goes straight to the temple. And it says that he, when he arrives at the temple, the priest is there. His name is Ahimelech. And Ahimelech meets David. He knows who David is. And he's like, David, why are you here? Where are your men? You always travel with your men. Why are you so isolated? And David makes up a lie because he's panicking. He's in a panic. He's like, oh, I'm on a secret mission from the king. Shh. I'm on a secret mission from the king. He's also exhausted, tired, and hungry. And he actually asks the priest, you got some food? You got some bread for me? I need some bread. I'm hungry. Can you just, can you, you know? And he actually goes and eats the righteous bread. The ten, like he shouldn't have been eating this, but now he's eating the bread he shouldn't be eating. He's sort of like a bit like looking around. You can actually picture this moment because in verse 8 of chapter 21, 1 Samuel, it says this, David asked Ahimelech, sorry, he says this, don't you have a spear or a sword here? It's interesting. He doesn't say, hey, Ahimelech, do you have a sword? You can just picture David. He's rummaging around the temple. He's looking behind stuff. He's like, don't you have a, a sword or a spear here? Like, you, do you have a weapon? Do you have something here? Ahimelech, the priest, is like, David, what do you mean? He's like, you know, he's like, because the, the, king's, the king's mission that I'm on, the secret mission, it's urgent. Do you have a, do you have a spear or a sword? And Ahimelech replies, Ha! Huh. The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. There's one weapon in that place, and it just happens to be the one that David did his greatest work with. David says, there is none like it. Give it to me. When I read this over the week, I'm, I'm sitting there almost picturing like Lord of the Rings. I'm picturing one of those moments where, you know, Frodo needs something and then, oh, there it is. You're going to need this in the future. This moment, this sword of all the things that could be in this temple, just hidden in a cloth, is the thing that you did your greatest work with. <clears throat> and it's so interesting that when I read that, I'm like, look at God working. God is trying to remind David, David, remember. Remember I'm with you. This is the thing you won that battle with. But David <coughs> misses it. In fact, 
He's so full of fear, he doesn't even connect the dots. He can't even be reminded of how God came through because he is full of fear and terror. It says that he leaves this city and goes to the next city called Gath, from Nob to Gath. Great road trip, great. He rocks up. He's still running. He has a sword. And it's interesting, on arrival, the people start noticing David because they know him. This is the guy that's been winning wars. And they start to quote what the women have been singing in front of him. Hey, isn't this David? The man who has, um, you know, Saul kills his thousands. David, ten thousands. And they start singing the song that they've heard. And instead of David having a faith moment of, that's right, God has done this before, he freaks out and starts to pretend to be a madman. Literally says that, he starts to drool. Chapter 21, verse 13, he acted like, he acted like a madman around them, scribbling on the doors of the city and the gates and letting saliva run down his beard. How can this be? The same David. This is like the greatest, one of the greatest kings of all time. David, he's fearful. He's terrified. He's running for his life. All of a sudden, the wheels have fallen off. It just goes to show the humanity of David. Because when we're faced with death, we're faced with situations, we can sometimes change and forget who we are. It's interesting, by chapter 22 in 1 Samuel, David is found hiding in a cave, scared for his life. He's with four other, 400 other men that have met him there in this cave, pretty big cave. And it said that all of these men were either desperate, discontented, or in debt. What a great crew. And they decide to make David their leader. It's like, you know, like if you're going to lead some people, I don't know if you want desperate people, discontented people, and people in debt. But here he is, hiding in a cave with these men. You know, it's interesting for those who know the story, there's a couple of times where David gets a chance to kill Saul in these caves, but he chooses not to. He chooses the higher road. However, in this time, he's hiding with fear and doubt. In fact, If you know the story of David, you'll understand that fear actually robs him of 15 to 20 years of his life. This week, as we went into lockdown, I started to think, oh, I'm going to start getting the phone calls from the schools cancelling my speaking. I'm going to lose my money again. Or I'm going to start, you know, like these things started to rise in myself. And as I was reading this story, I just felt God saying, hey, Az, what is fear robbing you of right now? Let me ask that to you. What is fear robbing you of right now? I can't help but see fear robbing seconds, minutes, hours and days of our lives in this current season of the world. 18 months of COVID has robbed us. Why? Because of fear. In fact, we're experiencing some of the same fear as David. We're confronted with our mortality. 
The fear of dying. I mean, it's rampant everywhere you go because of COVID-19, you know. And for the last three days, we've been living in our caves, haven't we? We've been living in our caves in isolation, hoping that the unseen enemy won't find us there. Maybe over the last three days, you've been surrounded by some of David's mates. Maybe you've been desperate, discontented, and because of Uber Eats, you're in debt. Church, cave dwelling doesn't solve anything. Because when you cave dwell, fear wins. It's time to open your eyes to God's goodness again and come out of your cave. You know, I just couldn't help but feel God was saying this all week. Time to come out of your cave. Don't forget what I've brought you through. Have the eyes to see what God has done before. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. That first moment in Nob, here's the sword. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Fear, now I'm going to let fear rule me instead of seeing the thing that got me through. The second thing, the reminder of God's goodness, how you've overcome time and time again, victory after victory, because God is on your side. No, I choose fear. I'm going to hide in my cave. It's time to come out of your cave. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So how do we get out of our caves of despair? Maybe you're feeling that right now. (laughs) Maybe you missed out on something because of this latest lockdown. I said, we missed out on a little holiday and, you know, have that cave of despair. Like, well, what's the point? Why bother? You know, this is the world we live in. And you can get into this cave of despair. If I go out there, it's going to get me. I might as well stay home and do nothing. How do we overcome the cave of despair? Well, there's some things we can learn from David because he lost his way in his later life. You've got to understand this. And it kind of, the revelation hit me before he slay the giant, before he had his moment with Goliath, he had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. He was just a shepherd boy. Everything to gain, nothing to lose. It was just him and God. Then he slays the giant and all of a sudden he gets given a whole bunch of toys and distractions. He has notoriety. Now he's worth something. Now he has to present a certain way. He has everything to lose because he takes his eyes off God. In 1 Samuel 17, 34, last week we learned about how David had this incredible faith When he talked to Saul, when he goes to Saul and Saul's like, you can't beat this giant. David's response is, I'm going to show you where I've come from and God's going to come through again. He actually declares it. He says this, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. He has this confidence, but now it's gone. It's gone. David, you've forgotten. What's God brought you through? Remember interesting 
I was trying to reconcile this week with David, King David, this man who spoke like this as a boy, but now he's cowering for his life in a cave with 400 men that just seem to be down and outers. I'm like, God, was he fearful? Was he really that fearful? And then I realized and I was reminded that while David was in the cave, he was actually writing some of the Psalms. If you haven't known this, David wrote a lot of the Psalms and there's four Psalms for cave dwelling times. And I want you to write these down because I want you to go and read them in your own time. They're powerful. Psalm 7, Psalm 27, Psalm 31 and Psalm 34, all from the cave. What I want to do, though, is I actually want to read something. <clears throat> I want to read Psalm 27 because we understand that, yes, he's fearful for his life, but there's actually a greater fear that David has, and it's a righteous fear, a fear of God. He gets two opportunities to kill King Saul, two opportunities, and he chooses not to. And I'm sure all those 400 men around him are like, just do it. Take his life. And David chooses not to. Why? Because he honours God first and he knew that King Saul had been put in that position and he wasn't going to take him out of it because King Saul was anointed. In fact, if you read in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, right at the start, King Saul falls on his sword in a war and then a young man claims that he killed Saul and David gets him killed and says, if you're telling me you took out the anointed one, you're going out. He understood the fear of the Lord. He's like, I'm not going to do it but I am going to trust God will come through. First and foremost, his fear was for God. He just knew that God was there and he was going to do what was right no matter what, even if they came after him. And in Psalm 27, he writes this. It's so powerful. It says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life and whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp around me, you can just picture it, can't you? Looking down from one of these caves, he's writing this. My heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make a melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. And then he finishes by saying this. 
I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He just declares it. They're encamped around him. The king that he tried to serve is trying to kill him. And he declares it. He says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he says this, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. David got it. Didn't matter what his circumstance, he sought God. And he was fearful, not for his life. He was just fearful that he would do the will of God. Church, it's time for us to come out of our cave. Be fearful for nothing. When you're at your cafe and someone starts talking about, you know, a whole bunch of stuff with COVID and this and that and what will happen here, you can speak life into that situation. Can I challenge you to speak words like those words that he spoke? I believe that we shall look upon the goodness of the Lord, that God is going to come through and you can speak your testimony. God did this before, he'll do it again. Because you know what? The world needs hope. And what comes off your lips, what you prophesy, matters. May we fix our eyes on Jesus again, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12.1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who enjoyed such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'll say it again. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, the writer of Hebrews didn't write, fix your eyes on conspiracy theories. On vaccines, economy issues, the end of the world. He didn't ask us to fix our eyes on social media 24-7. He said, fix your eyes on Jesus. So you will not grow weary and lose heart. You turn, you turn your eyes off Jesus, you're going to grow weary and lose heart pretty quick. The world is telling you to be fearful. He says, fear nothing. 2 Timothy 7 says this, For this I remind you to flame, uh, fan into flame the gift of God. It says later on, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Later on in this passage, it says, Christ Jesus, who abolished death. Death doesn't have any power anymore when you're in Christ. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's what he did. Overcame death and brought to light that we can be immortal because of him. So then all of a sudden, you don't need to fear anymore. You know, in David's time, he didn't have that, he didn't have that assurance. He didn't have that assurance. He trusted God, he sought God, but he didn't have that assurance. But we get that assurance because of Jesus. Jesus overcame death 
so that you would never have to feel the sting of death in your own life. That you would never even have to fear death. In the Scripture, it says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is of the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What Jesus did on the cross, we can't undermine. He overcame sin and death. It's not His crucifixion that's the great story. It's the resurrection. The fact that three days later, He he actually overcame death. The first man to ever die and rise again. And what, understand, you've got to understand. Come on, Pete. Come on. The reality is we get access to that. We get access to that. No COVID, no cancer, no sickness, no earthly worry about finances, no worry about losing a job, no vaccine, no nothing should strike you with fear if you have Jesus. This physical body is dying, but your spirit man is alive and well. It's time to come out of your cave. And leave what the world sold you, the lie. You have the good news. It's time to share it. Because people are scared of death and they don't need to be. Because you have the answer. The world needs a fearless church. In Matthew 10, 26 to 31, a passage that's so powerful. But I'm just going to get to verse 28. It says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Later on, it says, don't be afraid. You're worth more than, more than the sparrows. It talks about just God's provision for the sparrows. This week, can I put a challenge out to every one of us, including myself? I want you to write down your story and your testimony. I want you to put it in a book somewhere that when you go through trials and tribulation, when you are going through it, instead of being fearful and falling into fear again and going to run back to the cave, you will open up your story and you know, look what God did before. I stand on the fact that God brought me through this. He brought me through this. And this is why I'm here. And I can be confident that tomorrow will happen because God is for me. He's not against me. If God is for me, then who can be against me? Write it down. You know, it says the gates of hell will not prevail against the blood of the Lamb. And what? The word of your testimony. (laughs) The word of your testimony. Don't forget it. Don't be afraid, church. God is on the move. You have the answer. You have the thing that the world is desperately after, and that's eternal life. And Jesus said, if you come to me, you will have eternal life. No one needs to perish. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you that you give us a spirit that is of power and might, sound mind we no longer need to fear because you are in control you know what's going on father i ask that you bring discernment and wisdom god i pray that our church will be a church that seeks you first not what everyone else has to say thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast 
We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.